This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is the Vic Police Glow Show, exclusive to Joy Podcast, presented by Vic Police LGBTI liaison officers and a range of Joy presenters. Now, here's the Glow Show. Hello and welcome to the Glow Show podcast. My name's Dee Mason. I'm your host this afternoon. I'm joined in the studio by the lovely Gabrielle Tyak, leading senior constable with Victoria Police and our head Victorian Glow. Welcome, Gabby. I'm here again. I'm so excited because I've got some local Northwest Metro Glows and one, as you would say, freshly minted Glow. One freshly minted Glow. That's right. We've got two special guests in the studio. We have Senior Constable Travis Kinghorn. He's a Glow at Brunswick Police Station. And welcome to the Glow Show podcast, Travis. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and sitting beside you, of course, is Alicia Costa, who we're referring to. She's also at Brunswick Police Station, but she's a newly minted Glow, welcome Alicia. Thank you, hello. Hello. You work with Travis? Yes, that's correct. And you're going to try and you talk like a cop the entire... Well, Alicia has the best cop voice I've, I think we've had in I'm, this studio. I miss the cop voice. Do you remember, like when you were at Academy, did they teach you cop voice? It comes naturally. <laughs> it's pretty scary, I know. She was born with a cop voice. I was born this way. So Alicia is a first constable, so you're the front line of policing in Victoria. Yeah, we both are. Isn't true. So just explain to me that then. So senior constable, first constable, how, what's the difference? It's just a ranking system. So right. the good old senior beside me is has been in the job longer, basically. Yeah, it's just a amount of time in the job. Correct. So yeah. you're basically the same. You, you work on the front line in policing in Brunswick. Travis, let me ask you this. What is the main issue in policing for Victoria Police in Brunswick at the moment? Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, crimes against property at the moment, which is something we're working on, but I think we're getting hit pretty hard with um, storage cages in in the high-rise buildings. Bikes, cars. Yeah, tools, bikes, theft from cars. Just anything that people are putting in their storage cages. Some people think because they're in a secure underground car park, unfortunately, that their their property is is secure, but it's, it's not. Even if you've got a property cage, you need to be still... Is there CCTV down there? Down there do yeah, you know? there is. Yeah, there is. Well, it depends, obviously, which, which building. But um, it's certainly something that we use to try and identify offenders. And um, as soon as that's made available to us, I guess we can um, try and track down who's doing these things. But um, there's certainly a lot of work going into it as we speak. He's got a good cop voice too. <laughs> no, but, but it's really interesting. If we get glows in from different parts of Victoria, there are different issues that are confronting that, that community. Yeah, I would have thought physical, personal safety was, was a big issue in all of the inner suburbs of Melbourne. Or am I wrong? I guess it depends on if those things are reported. Most people will report property crime, but a lot of people aren't reporting crimes against the person. So if they're a victim of an assault of some description, they're not always reporting that to police. But if it's property that's lost, people are more likely to report. Mm. Well, you need to report it to make a claim. Mm, it's exactly. typically what would cause you. Dinesh. Nesha. And- could oh, I he's possibly here too. introduce myself? It's <laughs> oh. leading senior constable Dinesh Netta. <laughs> <laughs> he was just in the corner. From the multicultural liaison unit. Sorry. How do you do? Sorry, mate. I meant to introduce <laughs> the lovely leading senior constable Dinesh Netta. Nice from- to be here. <laughs> You're in the northern western region of Melbourne. Uh, Northwest Division 1. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yep. Which so, is Melbourne and Yarra. And you're the multicultural liaison officer for that region. Correct. So it's, it's really the city of Melbourne and city of Yarra uh, that we cover. 
Okay. Um, and there's um, other multicultural liaison offices are scattered around. I think there's one in Division 4 as well. So you're Div 4. That works out of Northcote. What's, yeah. what's the fastest growing new immigrant to see, Melbourne? See, with us, um, it's because we're, we're in the city, I think we get a lot of international students that come mm-hmm. in. So we, we see a lot of um, Chinese students, Indian students uh, yep. uh, in the CBD, you know. I go and speak to them and present to them things on how to stay safe in Melbourne and stop your phone from getting stolen, that sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, so Property. Yeah. It's a big mm-hmm. thing. Travis, we were talking just before we came on air about a, a phenomenon in policing that you'd just introduced to me, which is the idea that people are getting uh, having property theft against them all tied up with online dating. Just explain to us what you were talking about there. Well, I guess in the day and age we live in, there's a lot of dating apps out there that everyone's using. And um, I think we're seeing a lot now of crimes being reported in relation to theft where people are meeting on online on dating apps and they're catching up and they're becoming victims of property crime. Now, whether that be mobile phones or, or sunglasses or reading glasses, these thefts are occurring. So the and, scenario um, would be I, I meet somebody online, they come to my house and then they, they steal my laptop and my sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but as Gabby said before, you would have a photo of them like so you would know who they are. So presumably people are coming up with f- fake identities to do this. Yeah, they are some of the time. But also if you delete a profile that you've had, that's it, it's gone. So it does make it hard for us to be able to go back and look at that person's username or look at that person's photo and be able to identify them. People need to um, think about that before they get on there. Well, what's the advice from Victoria Police in terms of internet dating? Well, look, people are going out a lot more these days, you know, with people from social networking sites. And I guess it goes down to always letting someone know where you are and really being happy with yourself that you know this person's identity and that can just come from general conversation about where they work, how long they've been in Melbourne, where they're originally from. That would be the advice that we give it and, and letting people know also where you are, um, maybe even checking in with a friend throughout the night. Take a screen cap so you get their information from the from the site. Try to get a photo with them. Get a selfie with them. Everyone likes selfies. So get a selfie with them so you've got a current photo. They may not let you. If they don't if they let don't, you, yeah. then you're probably going There's to start test. thinking, okay, why? Some people don't like photos, but in this day and age, most people are quite happy to get a selfie. So get the selfie you have a photo, make sure you've got that. Send it to a friend. Yeah. So they've also got that information. And just be aware if you're bringing someone home to your house or unit or wherever you're living, that they then have access to all your, your goods. Your Dutch shower. <laughs> For the love of God, don't get in the yeah, shower. Get them out of the house before you shower. <laughs> but um, yeah, they've got access to everything that you own that's yeah. out in the open unless it's locked away. If you take your eyes off them for a second, they can put a few things away, put them in their bag, and you're not going to be aware usually until they leave. If that happens to me, Travis, do I just call Victoria Police and say, look, I've been ripped off and this is... Is that is that not in no way inviting that kind of trouble? Like, is that still... I mean, it's still a crime because somebody's stolen from you mm. against your will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, look, the best the best advice would be to, to call your local police station and let's say if you're a victim of a, a theft of a phone, having your serial numbers and army numbers available for when you call that gives us a, a big head start into trying to locate the phone and i think there's you know there's a lot of apps on people's phones these days where they can track down iphones so just as don't think anybody steals us, phones anymore do they do they yeah oh yeah, yeah absolutely but you can't use it can you like because if somebody steals my phone and it's one of that apple brand they can't use it what we're finding um with a lot of street crimes is they're they're quite blazingly asking you to uh to either leave it unlocked or to mm. download all your stuff onto cloud, mm. and when the phone's unlocked, they just do a factory reset on the phone, and it's you know oh, they, yeah. they basically yeah. you know take over that phone. So 
if people are finding phones, they often can't get into them to access them. But if people are robbing you for a phone, yep. that's often what they're doing. They're making you open it so that they oh. can get access to factory cat reset. Then, it's, then they've got it all. And a lot of cat pictures. <laughs> Alicia Costa, how did you get involved in Victoria Police? So you um, out straight out of school into the academy on the front line? No. So I was out of school for approximately four years. I had a lot of friends in the job. That would, you know, when I'd catch up with them, tell me about their day, and I thought it sounded pretty exciting. And that's basically was my step in, and a couple of them were my references, and applied. And Had here you, we are. did you have a career path sorted out for yourself before that? Did you want to go into something else? Um, I was always in the fitness industry, so I was a lifeguard, personal trainer, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it just wasn't challenging enough for me, so I wanted something that was going to be different every day and basically not be boring. And you can stay fit, presumably, uh, you know, and I guess... Yeah, pretty fit. Well, the cops, I see, seem quite fit. <laughs> She's pulling faces. Mm. <laughs> well, we don't have that fat cop reputation that America has. No, well, we've got a we've got a fitness average that we need to maintain every year now, so it's an annual thing. So you have to try to keep on top of your fitness as best as possible. But can you lose your job if you don't? I really don't know, but I... I can't answer that. I'm not too sure what can, happens um, if you... I think if you don't hit the, the standards they set, you can become non, non-operational. Yeah, I think that's probably what would happen. That, that they the give you the opportunity thing, to... the worst thing that could happen to a cop? Well, non-operational. Probably. probably. <laughs> it's always good to have the option. Most police stations now have a gym. Yeah, they have gyms. And... Um, Dash and I get down there and and pump iron, don't we? There's even the PTs at the academy are really good. If you are struggling with your fitness, you can approach them and I guess they can write you up fitness programs and that sort of thing. So it really shouldn't ever get to that, you know, like the the resources there for us to rely on if... Yeah, I guess there's two ways of thinking about it because I I was just thinking, oh, I want my cops to be fit. I want them to be able to run and chase criminals, but I also want a police force that that welcomes people of all abilities and physical and other other kind of abilities. So I guess we're putting on the front line our fittest and our best. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. it's true, and but if you look at the um, police that have been in the organisation for a long time, they don't have to meet those standards. Mm. So they're usually not on the front line anyway. Gravy train, easy street. <laughs> well, they just don't have to meet the fitness standards, that's what right. I'll say. But the, the wall is gone, isn't it? You guys used to have yeah. to climb a wall. The, the standards have dropped in, in relation to what they used to be, but we were also employing a whole different type of person yeah. at, at the, in those stages. We were looking mainly at men and mainly at men over six foot, and that was what the organisation looked like. And I guess a lot, of, like what percentage of your day, uh, Alicia, would be actually chasing down criminals? I guess there's a lot more brain work and car work and... Yeah. Like, um, what, what is an average day for you? Is it, is it impossible to say? It's impossible to say, but there is a lot of paperwork also that goes hand in hand with our job. So, I mean, it, once again, it, it varies day to day, but I could spend sometimes seven hours patrolling around because we don't have, we don't really have downtime as such when we're not doing paperwork we're patrolling to, I guess, keep the streets safe. Or responding to jobs. Or responding to jobs, yeah. So we don't really, like, I mean, we don't have designated meal breaks or anything like that. So we just deal with what we have on that day. And so at any time, you could be chasing a crook. Correct, Anything yeah, could happen right. at any time and yeah, you've got 100%. to be ready to respond. That's the exciting Pop part. Pop coffee and get going. Yeah, throw the coffee, the as in the contents of the coffee, out the window if you have to get quick to somewhere because there's no cup holders in the, what? In the vehicles either. No, yeah, there's not. Yeah, it's a tough gig. There's something the union needs to get onto. No cup holders in the cars. That's a big issue. How come that hasn't come up on the show? I think the new vehicles have got Uh, cup holders in them. But, yeah, the cup holders in in some of the cars have been taken out to make room for all the switches for the blue lights and things like that. Oh, priorities. So, uh, 102 or three odd shows, and we finally found the big issue. Finally found. 
I mm. reckon no cup holders in the big issue. Police vehicles. Mm. Well, how are you meant to stay hydrated for a start? Anyway, we'll get onto that. Dean, well, that's don't worry. generally water bottles come with a closable lid, so yeah. you just put it in the doors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I guess we can uh, we can go with that. Yes, no, keep us hydrated. No, a bit, no better demonstration of cop voice than that. <laughs> Generally uh, speaking, <laughs> do you agree, Alicia, with Travis's assertion that I don't want to call it petty crime, but the the, the theft of property is the biggest issue in in your area of policing? Yeah, I would say so. Yes. But how do we address that? Is it increasing in, in policing in Victoria? I don't know if it's increasing, but I mean, in the end. We have to take responsibility as well for our own property. So like Trav was saying earlier, it's all well and good to, you know, say police have to do a better job. But in the end, leaving laptops and wallets and stuff mm. in clear view in a car, I don't think that's the smartest idea. But they're not Just, insured in your car. I know that for a fact. My goods and chattels are not insured in my car if I leave it on the street overnight. Well, technically, you're not even supposed to leave valuables in your car. Mm. Our advice always is not to do so because if a, a crook's looking around at cars mm. and there's something visible that's worth any kind of money, they're going to break into that car. Yeah, It's an enticement for them to break in. So you have to take responsibility. Don't leave anything in your, Don't leave anything visible, first of all. But if you're leaving something in your car, even if it's hidden away... It's easier for someone to break into a car on the street, probably, than breaking into your home. Yeah, true. But they'll never find it under the seat, will they? No, never. No, never. They would never look there. And just a little thing, just lock your doors. Mm. Yes. You would be surprised at how many people leave their the vehicles unlocked. A lot of it's opportunistic, so they go try doors. Oh, mm. perfect, this one's open, have a look through. You know, they're not making any noise in the meantime. They even leave the doors ajar, so... Locals can't hear doors opening and closing, so just lock your doors. Like I it's pretty even simple. Thought that was, I thought that was a no-brainer myself. You'd think, but you would think so. Yeah, yeah. And so people, people, people leaving bikes not not even locked up, or with a, a really flimsy chain, mm. which anyone could cut through. Yeah. You, if you want to keep things safe, sometimes you've got to spend the extra money for the bigger, yeah, chunkier chains. I've fallen yeah, foul of that. Let my lesson. Mm. Yeah. Um, Travis Kinghorn, you were talking earlier about. Because I was wondering what um, what constitutes offensive language and offensive behaviour, and there's been some changes with this legislation recently. There has been. So I guess we work in line with the Summary Offences Act. So under Section 17 of the Summary Offences Act, um, it is an offence to use offensive, insulting, indecent, or behave in a riotous manner. So usually that might be swearing in the street, someone getting kicked out of a pub, carrying on a bit. The standards of proof that, that we need is, is their behaviour or the words that they're using, would that be offensive to the, common. I guess, common person? Or It would be, you know, would you want, I guess, your mother or... A child. Or, or a child. A child's a great one that we use, you know, mm. that might, we might have something happening at a, at a local aquatic centre and, and someone might be carrying on and, and we say, you know, there's obviously children around here and, and we don't want them being exposed to that. So, mm. that's something that we obviously frown upon and we can issue penalty notices for that. And it's about a three hundred and twenty on the spot. Fine. What do they yeah. have to then? So it keeps it out of the courts. It's just an on the on the yeah. spot penalty. Yeah, absolutely. We can if they want to contest that, they can elect to have that heard in front of the magistrates' court. Um, so we'll go to court and we'll produce our evidence. But generally, it's it's dealt with by way of a penalty notice. So when would you use something like that? Let's let's use an example of, for example, the incident where Dandy Man. Do you are you familiar with that incident where there's a performer performing in uh, Federation Square? He's in sort of uh, flamboyant. 
possibly gay. Don't know a gentleman in a tiny little spe- – he's not in a speedo. He was in a, a, um, like a mankini, was mankini it, where sort of it like, comes up over, it was, it was, over the frankly, shoulders? It was, frankly, personally gross, but not offensive to the the common man, I wouldn't have thought. Um, no, there, were, there was a big crowd watching. Big crowd, lots of kids. Children, parents, and happily watching him. a member of the sort of alt-right kind of – Somebody came down and started yelling at him and giving him a lot of offence and then basically saying, there's kids here, put your cock away, kind of thing. And I thought, well, actually, what you're saying is more offensive than what... Yeah, absolutely. ...than yeah. what... And, you know, he was physically threatened. And the police did come over, but they didn't have any... They said, we, he's got a permit to perform and we don't have any way of stopping. You just have to move on. But I would have thought... Like, is that when you can use your Summary Offences Act... I mean, obviously, every every situation is going to be different, but we could even possibly look at um, if we think that there's going to be a breach of the peace. Mm. We certainly have powers to move people on if we think, and, and that's that, what happened on that occasion. Yeah, so we can say, look, your behaviour is affecting everyone else, and um, good order in the community. So it's time for you to um, to move on. Alicia, you were talking about paperwork earlier. Do you ever see something on the street and go, Ugh, that just looks like more paperwork? Like, as the more experience you get in, in policing, I guess you can sort of get a sense yeah. of how things are going to We travel. have discretion mm. as to, in the summary offences, not more serious offences, whether we respond or how we re- respond. But in relation to paperwork, for these um, summary offences, that's where the infringement notice comes into. So that is the minimal paperwork. I mean, filling out an infringement notice and handing it to a person is yeah. not really counted as paperwork. When we're talking about paperwork, there's a lot more... There's briefs of evidence. There's entering information into a, a, a um, criminal offence. So that would be the least amount. So I think if you're t- talking about paperwork, we would much rather give out a penalty notice yeah. than investigating and having to take statements just in relation to the volume of paperwork that yeah. results. I think it's also about being fair to the public as well. They, I mean, it may just be a mistake as such, and I think a pin or penalty notice will suffice dealing with it then and there instead of sending them to court. Yeah. So it's almost like working your way up to, I guess, a harsher penalty as such. So a pin, it's dealt with, it's then and there, but sending them to court for something minor. Mm. That's why penalty notices were brought in. Some penalty notices have come into effect that used to only be offences that you could take to court. Right, okay. And they've changed that because they were looked at as more minor offences or summary offences. Do you know why I could not be a cop? Because I would have that book out. I walk from here to Flinders Street Station. I'd, I'd have an empty pad. I'd just be like, feet on the seats, busted. <laughs> Spitting on the ground, busted. Oh, I'm I sure just, there's some of us that do that. Oh, I couldn't even. I've For got a little sure. black book. I just write them down now. Just makes me feel better. Okay, feet next on, podcast. On, <laughs> between now and next podcast, yeah. I want to know what you've written down in your black I'm gonna, book. I'll show you my black book. I literally do it because I get so cranky at the youth on the trains. Sometimes we don't have enough time. I mean, we're, especially in the city, we're responding to so many jobs and we're running from one place to an, another. So if, it, if we find it that we need to respond and we need to act, we will. Um, if it's something minor that we don't really need to respond to and we, we will let it go if we can. So, so spitting. Spitting. I mean, it. it depends. And also we have pet hates. Mm. Some police will, anyone that spits, they'll be getting a penalty notice because we that individual it's will disgusting. hate that. Every penalty notice can be contested in court. So mm. y- you need to know what you're doing and you need to be firm about, mm. you know, what you're doing as well. And you've got the discretion. Travis Kinghorn, being a cop, do you rate it? Would you recommend it? 
Yeah, it's great. I think what they say when you go first date at the Academy, they say it's the front seat to the best show on earth. Yep, they've always said they've that. They've always said that, they? They've said that probably in every police academy around so the world. They say that. It is. Day one. How do you see your trajectory in Victoria Police? Like, where do you want to go? Where do you want to take this? Pretty happy with what I'm doing at the moment. So, I've had a bit of exposure to um, working at Socket. Um, oh, yeah. We so did. You, you remember Rick, that one? Yeah, Rick Barry. Yeah, we had Rick Barry on the Sexual Offence Child Investigation Team. So I worked with Rick at Child, Faulkner. Child Abuse Investigation Team, sorry. Yep. Possibly yeah, go down that path again. So um, I guess it seems like an employer where whatever your interest is, and particularly things like being an all your um, priority community policing, you mm. can you can get involved in and interested in whatever. There's, there's I mean, I, I'm not working in police recruitment, but I should. You should. Now. There's so many places you can go and so many different types of jobs you can do. Well, Alicia, as as you're an out gay woman in, working in Victoria Police, do you find that that's inhibited your policing experience at all, or do, how do they go as an employer? Completely fine. I've personally never had issues. I guess I'm quite a s- strong woman, so I've yeah, no one's ever confronted me about it. I don't know if that's just because of my personality or because <laughs> no, they're brave enough to. Yeah, that's it. They're not brave enough. No, but no, I've honestly never had any issues. Um, there's lots of support there, and yeah, it's. I think it's a great. It's a great job, and one that I hopefully spend my entire career. So fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So Travis Kinghorn from you're working currently at the Brunswick Police Station. You've been getting involved with working with local schools on the issue of bullying in schools. Yeah, so there's been a bit of um, a bit of bullying going on, and and it's been a consistent basis. And I guess we go back to social media; it, it sometimes can, you know, start happening after school, and messages on on Facebook. But we've certainly been made aware of it, and it's something that we like to work closely with the schools about. And generally, if we can, we we try to leave it at a, at a school level. But I guess we need to look at the long term mental health of the students, and um, if need be, we can make some sort of intervention by making application or giving advice on how to make application for personal safety intervention orders. Can you ban the, the perpetrators from social platforms? No, but personal safety intervention orders prohibit any communication Contact. and publishing anything electronically about that person. So mm. I guess. In essence, it- I was talking to somebody who's a mother of a young child the other day, and there were some issues that that child had been bullied slightly at school. Like, not slightly bullied, but, you know, it wasn't a serious offence. But she said, I'd much rather have a child at the moment that is being bullied because I feel like I'm able to address that. If I had a child that was a bully, I would be lost. I wouldn't know what to do. So if you're the parent of a bully, what's it? Like, because people are always saying, oh, if your child's being bullied, do this and that. But if you're identifying bullying characteristics in your child, what's the way forward? I think all the schools are very good these days when it comes to student welfare and, and liaising with the parents. So if someone came to the counter and spoke to us about that, we'd certainly be making contact with the school, but we'd also certainly be speaking to our youth resource officers or speaking to our proactive policing unit. And I know in our area, our the sergeant that's in charge of the proactive policing unit is a former principal of about 30 years. So we certainly would be making the referrals to them, but um, we'd certainly be touching base with the school as well to make them aware of this behaviour. Because what, what's the nature of the bullying at the moment that you're seeing? Is it, is it just online stuff or is hair pulling still a thing? I haven't actually heard of any hair pulling recently. Right, okay. But it's, well, you uh, never had big tails. No, well... <laughs> or did you? Maybe. <laughs> Strawberry blonde pigtails. Travis, is any of the bullying um, homophobic or transphobic that you're seeing? There has been some homophobic that we've been made aware of and... I went out and spoke to a small group at a, at a school only last week and sat down and really had a good chat with the kids and their, and their student welfare coordinators, who's a former member, and again explained to them, you know, that 
if this was to continue, then we could possibly look at making application for intervention order. But I guess we also want to educate the bullies mm. about the long-term effect that they're having. Do we know? Is children. there any statistics uh, to to indicate that if you're a bully, you're more likely to be a criminal or or a CEO? <laughs> wow, well, I don't know. I don't know. I, the, I don't know the real any. I mean, you, you would think possibly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you think that there'd be some link there, but I, I can't say. I don't know any stats about that. Yeah. So Sorry, the school, Jake. the school is the best environment to deal with with bullying. I just imagine, like when I was a kid, if the cops came to the school and gave you a harsh word, that changed everything. I remember the do yeah, not take not like drugs. We've moved away from that. I remember the don't yeah. take drugs talk. <laughs> then and no I'm one did it. Obsessed with not. To, I still wake in fright. Uh, well, <laughs> well, I don't know if that works anymore. It's it's the times are changing, but I think if. If you're a a parent of a child that's being bullied or a parent of a bully and the school's not doing enough or they're not having an effect to make it stop or to prevent it, then I'd go to the police. Yeah. If it's LGBTI-related bullying and certainly bullying of your family structure or even the um, the children of uh, gay parents have been bullied, then you could approach a GLOVE for further advice on that. Absolutely. And that's an uncomfortable conversation for them to have at that age, but the schools in my area do have... Of pamphlets and, and they know who they need to speak to between me and, and Faulkner. Yeah. And now our new glow. Yeah. Yeah. So just Alicia. just quickly before we get off that, Alicia Costa, you're recently minted as a glow. Just explain that process to us. So you're you're working at, <laughs> at Brunswick Street, Brunswick Police Station. Uh, yep. So my process was Travis uh, told me that he was coming to this radio station today, <laughs> yeah. and I asked if I could come along, and yep. that was basically that's it. At, you're a glow. And then she had a conversation with me yeah, with and Gabby. and Jen, yep. and and as long as um, Alicia a small, gets a small a, secret approval, ceremony, yeah, small as, secret as ceremony. As long as Alicia gets approval from her boss, she years ago and then she'll get some education and she'll be added to the list so if you're in brunswick or in in that general area and want to speak to a glow or and you see a police car driving by just check With out coffee see if it's um, coffee flying out of the window <laughs> just see if there's alicia stay away. Or if it's coffee Bottled flying water. out of the window stay away and alicia's driving there you go yes oh dear away. well this has been a very fun uh podcast uh session Let's thank uh, Senior Constable Travis Kinghorn and First Constable Alicia Costa, both from Brunswick Police Station. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for coming Thanks in. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. And uh, it's good to hear about the front line of policing and actual police station work. It is. I'll get some more in for you. Gabby Glow, thank you very much. And please do not let me forget Dinesh Netta. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Dee. For, for all you do, Dinesh. Excellent. I've been Dee Mason. This is the Glow Show podcast. You're on Joy 94.9. You've been listening to The Vic Police Glow Show, exclusive to Joy Podcast, presented by Vic Police LGBTI liaison officers and a range of Joy presenters. Head to joy.org.au forward slash the glow show to find more episodes or search Joy 94.9 Glow Show on iTunes. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Rate and review if you like what you hear. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.